This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Today we close out this series called Armor with the last piece, the sword of the spirit. How many of you grew up going to Sunday school? Can I just see your hands? Okay, how many of you remember sword drills? Yeah, it was our real competitive time, <laughs> and it was a time to really engage young people. And if you don't know what a sword drill is, we would stand there, or whenever we actually, you'd be seated, and the teacher would yell out, you know, Ephesians 1.6. And the first person to find Ephesians 1.6 and stand won. And then you got bitter with all of your friends, uh, and, and you would fight over who stood first. It was a real great use of of Sunday school time, I'll be honest with you. And it always put us in the mood for studying God's word and worshiping together. But today as we talk about the sword of the spirit, I came back to that drill that we did all the time in Sunday school growing up. But as we see today in the scripture, and Travis Brauner, I'm going to give credit where credit is due. I love what he said after the first service. He said, Ted, you know, the sword is meant for the enemy, not for people. And I thought, say, speak more to that, Travis. He said, it's kind of like a concealed carry, you know. Uh, raise your hand if you're concealing right. No, don't raise your hand. I'm just kidding. Don't, do not raise your hand. <laughs> uh, I was actually at a church yesterday. A big sign said, no conceal or carry. And I told the pastor, I'd lose half our church uh, with that sign right there. We pastor at Bass Pro Community Church. And we can't. We got to. Anyway, so, oh, hush. R- Rhonda, stop. So, uh, (laughs) but he said, it's really, he goes, we don't walk into rooms, you know, just throwing this thing around on people and bullying people with it and beating people up, or we would call it thumping people. The sword of the spirit is for us to stand in battle. And as we've been looking at Ephesians 6, 10 through 20, we're going to go through the first few verses again, just to uh, reorient us to where we've been, but finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We've learned we do not go into battle alone. Whatever battle is coming at you, your family, your marriage, uh, this church, this community, whatever battle hits us, uh, we don't have to go into battle alone. We go in with the Lord and his mighty power. And we've read in verse 11, we've seen this every week, put on the full armor of God. So we're not picking pieces here. We're not going to take a couple of pieces. We're, We're putting on all six pieces as we've been studying so that you can take your stand. We are not called followers of Jesus to back away from these battles, to retreat. We put on the full armor so that we can stand when the battle hits us. And what are we standing against? And we see this throughout the whole text, against the devil's schemes. And the devil's schemes haven't changed. He's got one playbook that he brings to battle with each and every one of us. Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So we see today with the sword of the spirit, this sword of the spirit is used to defeat the devil's evil schemes. The struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. We say it at this church all the time, Jesus is not, or Jesus is your source, Satan is your enemy. Your spouse is not your source, and your spouse is not your enemy. Other people, they're not your source, they're not the enemy. Don't confuse. Jesus is your source. Satan is the enemy. 
So we put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if it, when it comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. So we sit, go ahead, Katie, with that. We've seen from the very beginning of this series, the playbook that Satan uses, his schemes go all the way back to Genesis 3. And it starts with just deny the word of God. When he told Adam and Eve, he said, you will not surely die. So he denied God's word. He said, open your eyes, be illumined. See that there's a lot of other truth out there. And then what did Satan say? And by the way, you'll be God. And that's what we have today in our culture. A bunch of people running around trying to be God. Determining their own truth. And this is still his playbook. But most of the people I talk to in this church are never going to deny God's word. We don't deny it outright, but let's look at some, of the, some more of the schemes. And we, we've said from the beginning, we do not want to be a pawn of Satan. We want to stand in battle when the day of evil comes. But we tend to doubt God's word. We know what it says. We believe it. We say it's inerrant. It's without error. It's infallible. It's inspired by God. And I know what it says, but I'm really wondering, is that what it really means? And we can begin to doubt God's word and then we can disobey God's word and we know as parents right when we ask our children to do something we want immediate response we want immediate obedience because delayed obedience is disobedience and in the first service a lady went nuts on that like whoa yes I'm like this is not a parenting talk (laughs) but we want to come to God's word the sword of the spirit read it and do it Like immediately, not ponder it, not like, should I do that? Should I be living that way? If I want to live a godly life and it says don't do this or do this, should I or should I not? No, it's like, read it and we will act upon it. We're not talking today about the sword of the spirit, so you can debate God's word. There's a term for debating God's word. It's called Twitter. And Twitter has at times become this toxic cesspool. And I'm seeing it in denominations and with Christians like pastors lately online. It's been incredible to watch pastors attacking other pastors. It was funny, after last week I shared a story about my friend who I'm standing in battle with. It's always interesting. I didn't give any names, but you assumed a lot of who I was talking about. And, and so I had one buddy call me and say, hey, thank you for sharing my story in the message. And I was like, you're welcome, but it wasn't your story. I wasn't talking about you. And then I had a pastor in town call me and said, hey, some of your people have told me that you used me as an illustration. And so I went back and listened to the message. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. I go, I wasn't talking about you. (laughs) But it's, it's because we're all standing in battle. These battles hit us. And so these stories that we share, and some of you are like that, he sounds like he's talking to me right now. Well, I am. (laughs) And I'm talking to me. I'm not coming to God's word so I can just get more ammunition to shoot you down in a debate or to convince you of my point of view. I am, I am wielding the sword of the spirit so that I can go into battle. And when I detect error, when I get the devil's scheme, the lies, I'm ready. You're ready. In Ephesians six seventeen, that's what we're looking at today. Last week, we looked at the helmet of salvation. We want to be secure in our salvation, certain, so that we have courage and confidence in battle. Today, we're looking at the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So for years, 
at our church, we have used this illustration. I call it the us bus. You can call it whatever you want, but it's, it's what we use. If you're new to our church, this is what we use to teach who's driving the bus in the conversation, in our home. One day my kids will leave my home, get off of my bus, get on their own bus. And I tell them all the time, I want when you leave and start your own family and you're at work, I want scripture in your driver's seat. I want the word of God. At this church, we will never put tradition in the driver's seat. It's in the front seat. It's got influence, but only the driver determines where we end up. And so we put scripture in the driver's seat. Experience what happens to you, what happens to me. This is great. And by the way, experience, emotion, reason, tradition, all of these are influencers. They influence where we're headed, but ultimately the driver determines where we end up. And, and so your experience, very valid. I can learn from your story. I can learn from your experience. But I never want your story to become my authority. I learn from it. It's on the bus, but I'm not going to put it in the driver's seat. And there's a lot of people today changing their view on Scripture and what God teaches about marriage and family. We've looked at this. And the reason they've changed their view on this is because they put Scripture over here in the passenger seat. They put experience from their family or from a child or a grandchild, and they put it in the driver's seat. And when you listen to them and you hear them share, I get the pain and I get the hurt. Even emotion is up there with it. And, and the reason sometimes what they're saying sounds good is because Scripture's still in the front seat. But make no mistake, it's no longer driving the bus. The experience is. When I meet with couples, I can almost guarantee you every time a couple in crisis wants to meet, they've moved emotion from just being an influence on the bus to the driver's seat. And they're making decisions. We today are talking about the word of God being in the driver's seat, but this is not the primary word picture that we want to use. We use this word picture of a hand for years, probably the first 10 years of our church. Uh, we used to have classes offered before starting point, 101, 201, 301, and 401. It was about 12 hours of classes. Now you join the church uh, through starting point, And some of our long-term members that have been here for 20 years, they come up to me all the time and they're like, we sat through 12 hours to become a member of this church. And now you do it over barbecue in 45 minutes. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay. So this word picture that we taught in 201, the maturity class is a much better image for today because we want you to get a firm grasp. We want you to hold tight to the sword of the spirit. The word of God. And here's what we're asking today. As we look through each one of these five, we want you to take a step. We're always wanting you to take a step at this church. And so for some of you, your intake of the word of God, the sword of the spirit, is just hearing. And your primary intake of scripture is what you get on Sunday morning at Woodland Hills. We encourage you today and want to implore you to take a step and go beyond just hearing and by the way, hearing, right, that's the reason it's the pinky finger is that's the weakest finger you got. You want to go a little bit further, start reading, spending time each day in God's word. And some of you are hearing and reading and your next step is going to be to begin to study, to go deeper into the context and the understanding of the passage and who the author is and who the reader is in the, in the original text. And in that day, as we were taught in seminary, how to be a fly on the wall in that conversation or when that scripture, or when that letter is being read. Some of you do studying well on your own. You do it in small group. But we're going to encourage you today to take a, 
a step toward memorizing and meditating as well. So let's jump right in to here. Let's start with here because this is where a lot of us will begin in Acts 2.14. I love this text. Uh, It's right after the Holy Spirit falls on the day of Pentecost. He comes down and I just, I love it because Peter has to explain the introduction to his sermon is as everybody's speaking in tongues and people are watching this and the church is getting started and it, it just looks confusing to many people. Peter has in his introduction, he has to explain, we're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. And he is going to begin the message by quoting from the prophet Joel. He's going to talk about the coming Messiah and that the Messiah came and he was here. He died for us and gives this beautiful message. But I want you to see what he says. Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. I am going to tell you about Jesus, the one who died for your sins. I want to explain, I want to give you the gospel as clearly as I can. Your role in this explanation right now, he says, is what? Listen carefully to what I say. I want to encourage you as you step in here each week for this very first part, the hearing, just hearing the word of God, to come in prepared. How do you do this? I'm just going to, I asked Amy years ago about listening in our marriage. I I went to lunch, uh, I met her at Sugarleaf, and I said, scale of, you know, one to ten, how am I doing as a listener in our marriage? And just like that, she said, five. It's like, wow. I said, all right, why don't you take the lunch hour and think about it a little bit? I don't, I don't need an answer right away. And my wife's really good at this. She bails me out when she can tell something's heavy on me or something's happened. And she goes, hey, listen, Ted, you want to know what moves you to an eight or a nine like that? I said, what? She goes, it happens just like that. I go, tell me. She goes, when we have your undivided attention, when you lean in and you listen you're not a five listener. You're an eight or a nine listener at that point. You know, and some of you are like, can you ever be a 10 as a husband? Is it even possible, Ted? <laughs> you know what moves me to a 10? This is true, and this will help every man in here, and it's not a marriage talk today, but it's going to lead you to what we're talking about with hearing. But if you want to go to a 10, all you got to say after she speaks is say, tell me more. <laughs> and you are a 10 husband. Let's hear it. Let's give yourselves a hand, guys. Just you, just the guys. <laughs> And the ladies are like, wrong. It's my favorite Old Testament term when it comes to listening. And you know what? It's incline the ear. I love that. Incline the ear. You know what incline the ear is? It's just this right here. That's it. Guys, you want to move to become an eight or a nine listener? Just do this. But that means your mouth is closed. That means you're tech-free, children-free, distraction-free. You're leaning in and you're listening. That shows you care. The, the lament psalmist uses incline the ear to God. He says, I'm hurting. This is the three parts of a lament psalm. I'm hurting. The enemy is winning. God, you seem distant and angry. You're not listening. I'm, very, I'm feeling pain here and I don't know where you are. And what does the lament psalmist say? Incline your ear to me. I want you to hear what I'm saying. I love it in Proverbs. I always picture Solomon sitting on the end of his son's bed talking to him. And what does he say? I need you to incline your ear to what I'm about to share with you. Incline your ear to instruction and to wisdom. And then God speaks this to his children through the prophets. You rebellious children, you stubborn, stiff-necked people, incline your ear to me. 
and hear what I'm going to say. When we listen to sermons, and there's all sorts of ways that we hear the word of God, but we listen to sermons, podcasts, worship music. I want to encourage you, lean in. Before you step in here each week, pray. We've talked about this a lot. Don't let your first question walking in be like, who's speaking today? Push that aside and walk in saying, God, I want to hear from you today. As your word is open, as it is preached, I want to hear from you today. Then when you leave, keep hearing, process it. Go to lunch after this, talk about it, discuss it with your small group. But here's, here's the thing that hurts as a teacher and it hurts as a parent. <laughs> but you're going to retain about 5% of what you hear. So let's just go home now. Isn't that kind of sad? That's what, I mean, most research tells us you're going to retain about 5% of what you hear, which means you need to take another step. What's the next step? It's read. And we want you to read. And for some of you, this is going to be the best step you take this week. You're going to read the scripture outside of a Sunday morning gathering. So important. We would call this being a self-feeder. Being a self-feeder. Outside of church, outside of a small group gathering, learning and growing together. And here's why it's so powerful to read. We need to understand the word of God is alive and active. It's alive and active. It gives you everything you need to walk through the battles of this life. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is why you need to be in it every day. Now, I'm going to tell you, quiet time is always something. If you grew up in church, you heard the term quiet time. I'm not legalistic with this. I I went to a school that the founder of the school, and I love him to death, but he would always say, if you're not up and in the Bible by 6 a.m., you are out of the will of God. That's pretty strong, isn't it? (laughs) I'm just telling you, you need to be reading outside of this and, and not everybody's time. Listen, I've been with some of you at early morning breakfast. 6 a.m. is not your best time. I'm just going to be honest with you. Other 6 a.m. is your best time. Find time in the day. And, and we have so many great resources today to help us get into God's word and to get a firm grip on the sword of the spirit. We have right now media that our church is part of. We pay a fee every year and allows you to download so much stuff. The Bible app, it's free. You can download it right now. And if I see people on their phone, I'm going to assume you're doing that and not playing solitaire. Uh, But the Bible app has reading plans. It has devotions. And you can wake up in the morning and it's going to have something sent to your phone. And you're like, oh, let me hear from God today. Let me read today. Let me see what today is about Bible app. I have it on my phone. Uh, I even love it. You can download these apps where uh, a guy with, you know, a British accent is going to read the Bible to you as you dive down the road. I mean, we can, we have so much available to us today. I want to encourage you to read, but even with reading, we go from 5% retention to look at this number, 15%. You're like, wow, this is encouraging. You're really picking us up today there with it. Well, that's why we need to study. That's the next one. And for some of you who are hearing and reading, we want to encourage you to take the next step of studying it. And so I love how Paul shares this with young Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who, and this is what we want for every one of us, correctly handles the word of truth. We want to know what God's word says. We want to, and, and by the way, this is so important to understand about Bible study method. God only meant one thing by what he said. Only one. 
You're like, why are there so many other interpretations? I need you to know. He only meant one thing. Now, there are hundreds of applications that you can make. But this is why we need to study. And we need to see it in its original context. And we need to understand what is going on. It's why, it's why I recommend not just study Bibles, but commentaries. I, I brought... This is my favorite, and I've had it for 25 years. I had to use it in seminary. It, it has a couple of my professors that were a part of it. This is one volume. It's Nelson's New Illustrated Bible Commentary. Uh, go on Amazon today. I think you're going to find used copies of it for 25 bucks. What a great companion to have with your Bible that when you get to a text that you're reading and you decide this is somewhere I want to camp out for a little bit, I want to know a little bit more, that you can dig in Read more about the author, more about the city, more about the people, more about the context. Uh, so commentary, study Bibles, a great way. Because once you start studying, the number's growing. We're not there 100% yet, but you're going to be at about 35% retention. My friend Paul Purvis was my next-door neighbor for years. He was the pastor at First Baptist Forsyth. He now pastors at Mission Hills in Temple Terrace, Florida. But he said this week, and I love it, and I have to quote him, most Christians are educated beyond their obedience. <laughs> We're not studying, right, just so we can win debates and fill our head with knowledge. For knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. He said, they do not need more depth, they need more do. So as we study, it can, that, if you're going to take that step and begin to study, Understand that the sword of the spirit is used for battle, not to bully. I, last week, uh, and I hope my friend's back. He's been coming the last couple of months, and we've just started to develop a friendship. But he came up after the second service, and, and he told me, he goes, you know what? I want to learn the Bible. He's uh, right at 70 years old, and he said, I just want to know it. He very bright guy, very educated guy, and become a dear friend just in a matter of a couple of months. And I just, I just, I warmed up to that going, okay, we can help with that. <laughs> Boy, wouldn't we want that from every single member of Woodland Hills Family Church and our guests as well to just lean in and dig into it? Why is it important to know the word of God at that level? I don't know if you saw it this week, but I was having fun with it because I didn't do any posts with it, but... Did anybody see this going viral? Everybody was posting red flags. So all the young people are going, yeah, the, the, the tech-savvy ones. Well, they're pretty hilarious. My favorite ones were single people putting one-liners from guys they were dating or girls they were dating, and then a bunch of red flags going, leave that relationship immediately. That's what that meant. And, you know, it's kind of like I, I overuse emojis, and I see a whole group of Owasso uh, young people here, right? I, who overuses emojis? Let's just be real honest. So, Thank you. All right. It's not just the old people and your parents. But the red flag, and so singles were great, but then pastors started doing it. And I mean, having a, I was having a ball watching pastors give lines that they get from church members or guests and then putting red flags behind it. And I probably hit the heart button a few too many times. Uh, I felt very validated, I'll be real honest with you, through the whole thing. My one friend in Jacksonville, <laughs> Josh Reeves posted this. When someone comes up to me, and so you get the vibe for it. The Lord told me to tell you. Woohoo! Run. Because <laughs> they probably ain't quoting scripture. They're probably going to correct something that you did. And I, I haven't had one person tell me that today after putting this up. So we may put these in big posters out uh, <laughs> front. 
you know, do you know why, do you know why we study and why we get this much into the word of God? So when the lies come at us, the red flags go up like, Whoa, I that is a lie. That is not true. That is not true. That is not true. And again, it's not so we can pull a sword and start killing people. But we, listen, I love what John Piper says. The sword of the spirit. And remember, the sword only has one purpose. It's to kill. It's to kill. And it, and it kills the deadly sinful deeds that we live out. It tears down the lies that come at us. This is why we need to know the word of God and go to a new level with it. We need to study it so that when we were able to detect the lie and we're able to have that red flag go up, but we want that kind of radar for everybody. I, I loved it. But the last thing I saw this week and I had to put into the message, Silver Dollar City put this, what's cinnamon bread? <laughs> and if you aren't on Twitter... The only reason you need to be on Twitter is for Silver Dollar City's Twitter account because it's the best thing they got going. Great sense of humor. But this is basically saying, because the senior's like, I don't get it. What it's saying is, if you don't know about their cinnamon bread, we can't be friends. (laughs) You're not smart enough to be. I mean, that's, uh, let's move on from the red flags. Okay. The next one is memorize. So some of you, some of you do all this, you use all these great tools, you study, you study Bibles, you've been hearing the word of God for years, you've been reading it, you've been studying it, but today may be that jolt we all need to begin memorizing it again. And memorizing the word of God. The scripture says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That's what having the sword of the spirit does, killing those sinful deeds within us. I've hidden your word in my heart. This is scripture in your mind and heart. If you memorize scripture, what's your retention rate? I heard 85, I heard 95, I hear 100. Thank you. 100%. Taking this step, it's 100%. This is why years ago, uh, Stephanie Watson and I, uh, we created these family Devo cards. Uh, it's their A to Z and I think, I think we did this 12 or 13 years ago. So there's a lot of new people at our church that are unaware of these. But we wanted to get God's word into the minds and hearts of our children. I think our kids were like five and seven when we started this. And uh, if you will follow these, I call them hooked on phonics for the Bible. Because it's critters, things from nature to help you memorize scripture. And for parents here today... Uh, we're going to give you a set of these. If you're new to our church and you've never gone through these, uh, there's going to be stacks of them out there at the welcome desk. Please swing by and pick one up. But you, you, you get a lot of my tone in these with it. Stephanie did an unbelievable job illustrating them all. Uh, but you know how my passion for hard work, that's the A, the ant. So we would start every night at A and work up to the next letter. And in a couple of months, your kids can have 26 passages of scripture memorized. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider his ways and be wise. And we would talk about hard work. Each card has a little talk time, but a main point of hard work and then discussion questions. The B, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, healthy to the body. And again, I have a 16 and an 18-year-old who's been through these. I don't walk around with flashcards with a 16 and an 18-year-old, but, but we got them. We, they're in our hearts. They're in our minds. And my encouragement to you is to begin, if I, we, we say for preschool and elementary age, and this is, this is our honor card, 
how to speak words of high value over each member of the family. The camel. This is our fight against our materialism, right? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. And we talk about less stuff. I love the dog. The dog, as a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats its folly. I love to ask my kids, do we allow mistakes in the Cunningham home? Yes. What do we try to avoid at all costs? Making the same mistake over and over and over again. Yeah, that's the do- we don't want to be dogs returning to vomit. So the E is the eagle, unlimited power. The fox is healthy marriage. So pick this up. Tomorrow, start with the A and work up to the next letter with each new day. But tonight, just for fun, I give you permission to go straight to the V. I love the V. And so if you got a five-year-old daughter, get her all tucked into bed, all comfy. And right before she dozes off, I want you to read for the V. Proverbs thirty seventeen says, The eye that mocks a father that scorns an aged mother, will be pecked out by the ravens of the valley. (laughs) And will be eaten by the vultures. (laughs) Night, night, baby girl. You sleep. You sleep good, okay? You get some good sleep. You don't let her go to sleep until you read the card. It's so so simple. But you're going to... I have a little bit of my tone in here, you're going to hear, but uh, having your eyes pecked out by ravens and eaten by vultures is a word picture for death. <laughs> Not listening to your parents, making fun of your dad, treating your mom as a servant will cause you much pain as an adult. The Bible's very clear that we're supposed to honor our parents even after we leave home. It's the first commandment with a promise. God gives us parents for, for our lives to, to go out into the world. When you listen to their instruction, incline the ear, it helps you throughout your entire life. I have parents after events that... They take the V out and they put it on the refrigerator. And whenever there's a discipline moment, now when they send kids to time out, mom goes, go get the V and get in the corner. So anyway, you can, uh, if you don't have a set of these, a church, Woodland Hills would love to gift that to you today. Uh, go home, start with the V, give our children nightmares tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. Last week, as we're talking about memorization, Adam Donye sent me this great video. Check it out. Memorizing scripture guards my mind, making it easier for me to detect error. And the world is filled with error because the God of this world is a liar. Memorizing scripture enables me to hit the devil in the face with a force he cannot resist to protect myself and my family from his assaults. What are you hitting me with? He is millions of times stronger than you. And he hates you, and your family, and your marriage, and this church, and God. How anybody walks through this devil rule world without a sword in their hand is beyond me. Now, Some of you will not be able to focus the rest of the message because of one misspelled word. How many of you saw the misspelled word? Let me just see your hands. How many of you are not doing real well right now after? (laughs) Are you a teacher? No. No. Will you forgive us? We just didn't have time to edit it. Okay. It's all right. Stay focused. Okay. Stay focused the rest of the message. We memorize so we can meditate. I love Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is a God, there's only one God. He is the Lord, he is our Lord. The scripture says in verse 5, love the Lord your God. Verse 6 says, these commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Mom and dad, before you try to get any of this on the hearts of your children, it starts with your heart. Because what's on your heart will find its way onto the heart of your child. They see everything, they hear everything, they forget nothing, and then they repeat. And this is why verse 7 goes on to say what in Deuteronomy 6? From the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to sleep at night, as you sit at home and as you walk along the way, you are speaking of the Lord. We memorize scripture. Begin memorizing it so you can meditate on it. We read this in Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. This person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Years ago, it's one of the best illustrations I've ever seen before my very eyes. Gary Smalley had a pond at his house, and he planted two willow trees. There was the pond, and it's probably 100 yards from Taney Como, and the two willow trees. This willow tree, same size when they were planted, this willow tree, I mean, was three, four times bigger than this one. And I go, to what is going on here? He walked me over to it. And you could see the roots from this tree had made their way to the pond. This one, for some reason, and I don't know why I'm not a horticulturalist, but like its roots were heading towards Taney Como and they hadn't gotten there yet. This one did not have a root system by a good water supply like this one did. And as soon as this one hit the water, and this is exactly what it does when we put our roots into the scripture. And we don't, we don't move away from it. We don't shy away from it. We don't dismiss it. We don't deny it. We don't learn it just to debate it. But we have our roots deep in here so we can be like that person planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. This is the transforming power of God's word within us. I asked Joe White, a member of our teaching team, If you want to know, I don't know anyone who has memorized more scripture than Joe. I don't know anyone who has inspired believers to memorize and meditate on scripture more than Joe. And I'm grateful he's a part of our church. I'm grateful he's a part of our teaching team. And I asked him this week, I said, hey, would you send me a quote? Now, if you've been here for a while, you know Joe, and he always likes to give you a little gift when you leave. And I said, Joe, give me a quote about memorizing and meditating. And his thumbs went to work. But he said, this will only work if you give everybody a bag of M&M's. I'm so sorry. Because you just got all excited, didn't you? (laughs) We're giving you cards instead. But swing by and get some M&M's if you want to do that later today. He got me the quote pretty late. I didn't have time to run by 5,000 bags of M&M's for everybody. But here's what he did say. And I love, this this is the heart. Joe has for memorizing and meditating and encouraging us to do the same. Memorizing and meditating on scripture brings intimacy with God, freedom from sin, emotional peace to the heart, and rest to the weary soul. And this is why we spend so much time encouraging you to put scripture in the driver's seat. And today, through hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating, that you would take a firm grasp on the sword of the Spirit And you would not stand in battle weaponless. 
that you would know the word of God and you would know how to use it properly and correctly. And when those red flags come up, you're like, no, I know. And I can detect the error and I can detect the lie. In 2 Timothy 3, I'll just, I'm going to close by reading this. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You know what the word persecuted there means? It means to be hunted. And we've said it from the beginning of this series. When you take your stand in battle for the Lord, you will be hunted. You will end up on Satan's radar. And if you spend your days trying to avoid his radar, this is not God's plan for your life. You stand firm in battle. You put on the full armor of God and you stand against the devil's schemes. You will be hunted. You will be persecuted while evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you... Timothy, you continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned that a godly mother and a godly grandmother putting the word of God. They didn't have these cards, but it's we're wanting to do the same thing. From infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures. You've known the word of God. Continue in that, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired. It's God-breathed and it's useful for teaching rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And all God's people said, would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Father, it's in the name of Jesus that we come to you today. For the one who's never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of their salvation, that the Holy Spirit would call them by name right now. They would confess their sin. They would confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord. They would believe in their heart that he has been raised from the dead and they would call upon the name of the Lord to be saved, that today is the day of their salvation. I pray for this church family that we all would take one step today. And I know for me personally, it's to spend more time memorizing and meditating because I can get stuck at that study piece, Uh, that this would just spark something in us as we close out this great text that we've learned so much from in the last seven weeks. We want for every believer in Christ Jesus in this church to stand in battle with the full armor of God against the devil's schemes. And we pray that in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said,